Warm welcome to all our listeners. My name is Lucas and you've joined FMAS podcast, SME at a glance, expert views on the news. In a one-to-one format, we aim to highlight the top news and trends from the world of SME banking and share our expert views on them. Each month, we'll bring you a fresh perspective from a new expert guest. So let's dive into it. And well, my April expert guest is Sue Delthwaite, former Managing Director of Santander Business and SME Director at Virgin Money UK. Welcome, Sue. Hoping all is fine by you. Hi, Lucas. Uh, yes, thank you very much for inviting me to this. Uh, yeah, everything is great. The sun's shining in the UK today, and um, I'm very look- much looking forward to this conversation. That's excellent. I'm very excited and thrilled to have you for this podcast and gain some insights following your already extensive experience in SM banking. Yeah, 40 years, 40 years in banking. However, the first 20, I would say, moved very slowly. Uh, the past, the last five, incredibly quickly. It shows the pace of change around technology, I think, in banking. So let's dive straight into our April selection of news from SME Banking Worldwide. Further development or further developing beyond banking offers is, is one of the first topics that we want to touch today. Uh, we've seen a couple of examples in the market, and I'll mention just two of them, and we'll discuss a bit more in depth around that. So a business class training program uh, was introduced by Sber Russia and Google because they have seen that online business education has become a key trend during the pandemic. And the number of registered business class program participants nationwide grew by 20%. The goal of this business class is to help aspiring and current entrepreneurs develop new practical skills in order to grow their business and make it more stable in the context of uncertainty. So uh, it's just one example, you know, that we've seen, but very, very interesting and powerful approach by Spare and Google. The second, which might be closer to your experience, you, is uh, Revolut Business adds a suite of new features for businesses. In just the first quarter of 2021, Revolut Business has added new features that business customers can benefit from. It includes the new ultimate freelance plan, QR codes to all of businesses to accept socially distant payments, and new additions to bolster its expense product. So I'm not going right now to mention all of them in details, but uh, you as a you know ex-senior uh, banker and SME, SME head in various institutions in the UK, you might have seen Revolut from closer perspective. So what's your take on, on, on their approach? Yeah, thanks, Lucas. And uh, yeah, I, I am very interested in Revolut, um, it, especially as a corporate banker. They are yet to make a profit and are valued at around £4 billion. I don't know what the value is today, but something like that. And they are shaking up the world of banking in a in a brilliant way. Um, you know, the next battle, I think, for SMEs in the global market is all about supporting growth and understanding that every business is unique. So they need to develop new products and they need to understand customer complexity um, and so here are Revolut trying to do that yet again with um, new plans, but more importantly now, trying to increase the levels of income that they're generating from the customers. So they seem to be pretty serious in their approach towards SME banking segment, right? Not just in the UK, but I would say globally by by adding still so many features, even having a personalized approach to freelancers by this program. 
Yeah, so they're taking a market segment, if you like, the freelancers, and um, yeah, they're trying to give them something that makes each freelancer customer feel special to them. I think what's interesting in all this, again, back to profitability and how they're going to become profitable eventually, is you know the new plan is great. It's full of features and benefits for their customers, and they want to charge them £25 a month which is going to be quite interesting to see. So the next set of Revolut ideas and products is about generating income, but also making the lives of their customers simpler. Yeah, since there are as well a couple of uh, merchant plugins, it seems to be, let's say, a profitable vision of the approach that they might have in the market. Now, from your experience, what's the usual approach or let's say the perception of of bankers in UK from let's say the traditional big players of, of Revolut do they take them as a competitor in the approach towards SME segment or still let's say a fintech that is trying to bring something new in the market and attract a niche segment yeah I think that's a really good question and all the all the banks in the UK take Revolut very seriously indeed. You know, their product, their market can, tran- well, their platform can transcend country boundaries. They're really good at supporting international trade um, and they have got the benefits of a new platform when lots of existing banks across the world have got quite old platforms that need to develop. And I would say that any business that started in 2017 and now says they have half a million business customers cannot be ignored. Um, My challenge, I guess, is Are their customers loyal? Do they only bank with Revolut or do they have two two accounts somewhere else? Where is their main banking? Because that's certainly what every bank is wanting, is the main trading banking of all their businesses. We obviously see that one of their biggest advantage comparing, let's say, to uh, business banking fintechs or neobanks in the market in UK is their global presence. Uh, do they have any further advantages in the local market compared to Starling Bank, let's say, or Tight in, in UK or even, you know, institutions like Coconut? Yeah, that is, that is a really good question. Now, some of the banks that you're talking about there have had substantial funding recently from the um, RBS Remedies program. So Tide and Starling have had tens of millions of pounds of internal grant funding, basically, that never has to be repaid. So Revolut haven't had that benefit. So they are able to develop their platforms quicker. I mean, I've had recent experience of um, opening an account with Tide, and that was almost instant within a couple of hours i was up and ready and working online and i think even revolut are slightly slower than that so technology is moving at such a rapid pace um i think all of those banks tide revolut starling are a major challenge to banks that have bricks and mortar if you like and of course the biggest issue will be As we move 10 years ahead or even five years ahead, when banks have still got the old passion banks have still got to have bricks and mortar for their large customer base, 
these new these newer banks don't have to have those cost burdens. So it's going to be quite interesting. Um, and also, they don't maybe need to have to care about whether customers have access to cash in a way that some of the other banks in the UK and all over the world have to. They're not taking payments of cash through their own network, um, and lots of businesses still rely on that. So it's going to be an interesting. Um, it's going to be an interesting few years from here. I'm right now just reading through, you know, the list of the features that they introduce in four categories. So which of them might make the the biggest impact in terms of customer acquisitions in in SME segment and as well in revenues because that's probably one of the key goal for the future that they want to reach. Yeah, but and um, you know, they're not massive. They're not massively new and exciting features, but they're just part of deepening the relationship they have with the customers. I would say and actually then again, they're trying to retain stickiness of customers by saying, you can have the QR codes for Revolut Business, but you have to sign up for a merchant account. Um, and that's really good marketing. So sell, you know, marketing a great feature, but then a customer has to sign up to a new depth of account to get that. So uh, yeah, I think that's pretty smart. Let's uh, right now talk about the second approach or, or second trend that we've seen um, that is not very much connected to existing SME banking, but uh, more to how the future might look like. Because we've seen many of the out-of-the-industry leaders, you know, technology companies, telcos, and many others stepping into, into SME's finance business. So one of the examples is uh, the consortium uh, between uh, Grab and Singtel in Singapore to set up a dedicated team in 2021 to build Singapore's next generation SME digital bank. So quite bold statement because, you know, those two institutions that we mentioned, Grab and Singtel, already have a wonderful presence among uh, business customers. And uh, by launching their own digital bank, that might be a real threat for existing uh, market players there. Yeah, um, I think this is very exciting as a development. So you've got somebody who um, is a leading super app and someone who's a communications technology group coming together. Now, the report that I've read sounds absolutely fantastic. If you are an investor in particular, because they're putting the safety and security um, at the forefront of their developments, you can see that they're going to be leading with artificial intelligence. So that deep tech expertise and the data-driven insights are going to feature very heavily. Um, and they've got a great team of people um, with a lot of retail experience in the background. And similarly, as we've seen some other examples, as WeChat Pay helps digitalize European retailers, and they started with the whole project during the pandemic, uh, because you know WeChat mini programs uh, gives users instant access to enterprise services without having to download separate app. And they can directly, you know, offer their services um, to Chinese market and uh, all the Chinese citizens. This is very popular, you know, nowadays, since uh, many people have been ordering, you know, through Alibaba, their goods to Europe. But right now we've seen a huge trend, uh, which goes vice versa, that uh, Chinese uh, people are very interested in European retailers and, and their goods that they are selling. So uh, this might be as well a, a very nice impact on transferring the trade from Europe to China. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think what's the most startling statistic in this article is the fact that WeChat has more than 1.2 billion users. And those kind of figures are absolutely startling, aren't they? This, this could be a really great impetus for the economies of Europe and the UK and wherever their customers you know, want to buy these goods. And I genuinely believe when they're saying that the countries that reopen first and the UK is at the forefront of looking like it's going to be that at the moment because of the vaccine program, it will see a spike in tourism expenditure even above pre-COVID levels. And I, I absolutely agree. It is the magnitude of their customer base that makes this very, very attractive. So no wonder lots of uh, luxury goods retailers and so on are flocking to um, work with WeChat. Um, one more example that we have actually from, from Asia Pack, it's interesting how many examples are actually from there, is Kadra, uh, which is a Singapore-based technology company providing mobile-first e-commerce and marketing solutions, has integrated with Xero, a global accounting software to provide a fully automated sales-to-accounting flow for SMEs to improve their productivity and have the right tools to scale. So... Um, you mentioned even previously, um, Sue, that you had some experience with Xero, and this might be once again one of the wonderful uh, example of um, how Kadra can uh, make a dramatic impact and probably dramatic change for their customers. Yeah, yes, and absolutely. I, I I met with the team in Zero when they were launching in the the UK first of all, which was around 2015-16, and their model is pretty unique um, and the guys behind the whole concept of this um, this zero company are absolutely amazing so instead of setting up a fintech to exclude the middlemen they've done just the opposite and embraced it so if you look at the middlemen as their accountants practices across the world they have included them in their model rather than saying we can replace you and we are better so they're thinking about customers locally meeting and talking with their accountants but at the same time developing um, a really brilliant integrated platform and it is seamless i mean it's a brilliant it's an excellent product one last example which we have in this category of out of industry leaders stepping into smes um, is orange bank uh, which expands further with the acquisition of neobank anytime in france now, following its launch three years ago and the successful development of leading innovations in mobile banking for retail customers, Orange Bank has acquired Anytime, enabling it to address the professional and small business market. This uh, new market development aims at supporting the Orange client footprint and is fully aligned with the core multi-service strategy of the group, because obviously we know that Orange is uh, quite strong as well in serving the SME clients. So what's uh, your perception on this, especially, you know, taking into consideration the French realities and their approach towards SMEs? Yeah, I think the French market is very interesting at the moment. It's not 
dissimilar to the market in the UK, but probably just a few years behind in in development, that's all. So you've got um, the traditional banks, BNP, Paribas, Credit Agricole, etc. And then you had this next generation of digital banks like ING Direct and so on that moved um, completely online in the 1990s and the 2000s. And now this next generation of neobanks, of which um, Orange Bank and N26 are both part of. So Orange Bank is um is a very interesting organization just because of its uh, parent, uh, which obviously is a is a telecommunications business. Now the acquisition of Anytime was a really smart move by Orange Bank because they can they can provide banking services across country boundaries. So that was a great acquisition. However, uh, that was January, and you know the market reacted. I think I would imagine very well to that because um, anytime have got some good facilities. But I think what we're seeing now already, two or three months later, is Orange is looking for either um, an investor to come in and replace their original investor to do exactly as you say, I suspect, which is to grow beyond the boundaries of France. Um, I think they have a little bit of business in Belgium and so on, but I could see that that would change completely and they were looking for bigger growth. Um, I think their original investor was um, was an organization called Group Armour Bank um, and they've got quite a big stake, but it looks to me like Orange is wanting to change that and grow. And the biggest, the biggest benefit Orange has, of course, is its brand, which is globally known, but particularly across Europe, it's a super brand. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Sue, for having you with us today. It's been a huge pleasure to get some of the insights and expertise from your experience on the news that we've seen in the SME banking space within the last three months. Thank you. Thank you so much to all of you who found the time to listen to us today. Uh, we hope that we were once again able to uh, bring you some fresh news that happened in the SME banking space and very fresh perspective of our expert guests who's been today Sue Douthwaite, a former SME director of Virgin Money in UK and former managing director of Santander Business as well in, in UK. And we hope that you will stay tuned for our next May episode of your favorite podcast, SME at a Glance, expert views on the news. Music.